Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Let me tell you a story about my involvement with a union. Uh, it was when I was employed by a company, and I knew that this particular job was not going to be um, a job that I held very long. It was kind of one of those transitional jobs that you may have had where you knew it wasn't going to be your career. You just needed to make some money for a, a short period of time until you found another job that you thought, well, this might be my career and it was I'm going to keep more permanently. So again, it was one of those jobs that I, I just knew was, was going to be very temporary. Uh, one of the biggest drawbacks to this job, and it was a job that was more like warehouse style. It was a place that made salad dressings and cooking oils and things like this. Um, and, and it was again, a kind of a warehouse type of scenario knew it was only going to be around for, you know, a, a couple months as far as my employment there. Um, but one of the biggest drawbacks to it was that the way that it scheduled its employees, this was really a terrible way of doing it. And I guess it got started when the company was, you know, under, under bad times and it just kept on going. But what they did was you did not know when you were going to work the very next day until you clocked out the day before. So, so you would clock out after working your eight hour shift and that you would look up onto the board and you would see that you could have be working any of the next three shifts. Now, now you, you couldn't go back to back. That was illegal. But other than that, you very easily, and it did happen from time to time where you would look up and you would know that you had to be back in eight hours to work another shift. So it was run home, grab something to eat, quickly get some sleep, get back up, grab something to eat and get back to work because you had to do that all in eight hour uh, period of time. Well, obviously this was not a great scenario and this was not a situation that anybody that worked there liked. And so uh, beans that it was a union shop, I had some questions. <laughs> Imagine that I asked questions. And so I started asking these questions. I asked these questions of the workers, my, my coworkers, and I would basically just ask if there was something about your job, if there was something about this company that you could change, what would that be? And everybody would tell me the same answer. Everybody came back with, I would change the way our uh, scheduling is done here at this particular company. Well, I would ask, I would follow up with, a, with another question. Well, what is your union doing about it? And of course, the, I would get all kinds of answers, but they mostly all boiled down to kind of the same thing. I, I would get the answer of, well, scheduling is a, is a company thing. It's not a union thing. <laughs> of course, that is, that's ridiculous. I mean, the union uh, has a say uh, when it comes to bargaining and things like this. And why, if that was the number one thing by far that its workers hated about that particular company and wanted it changed, 
why wouldn't the union be ma- making every effort possible to make that the change in its um, in its bargaining? Well, of course, in this case, the union was definitely in bed with the uh, company, and so it was never something that was going to change, even though this union was very happy to collect its dues from its from its members, from these employees, and uh, and not change the one thing that everybody wanted changed. Well, of course, when I started asking questions, what happened? Well, that got caught the attention of the union. <laughs> and I hadn't been working there very long. I was on my 90-day trial, I guess. And and the 90-day trial was basically something that they had bargained. And they said that anybody that w- had come on and was a brand new employee had 90 days in which uh, they could prove themselves to be a good worker. And the, um, the company would then say, okay, after the 90, uh, or you know, right before the 90 days, they would say, okay, yeah, this is somebody we want to continue to work for us. And, or this is somebody that, no, we don't want to work for us. And we're going to let them go. Well, in this case, I, I was a very good worker for them and the, and the company really liked me. Um, but, uh, the union of course didn't like me. And so I was asking too many questions. And so, so what they did is they, they put pressure on the company to let me go. Um, and it, it was a, a ridiculous thing. I, I was standing in line to check back in. Uh, at that time, it, it, they had the, the old clocks, you know, where you had punch card and you put the punch card in the top of the clock. It punched your, your time in and out. And I was coming back from lunch. It was a very long line. And I punched my card a minute late. Because of that, the union said, well, we, uh, we want him gone. And uh, the company came back and said, well, we, we want him. We, we like him as a worker. And so we're going to give him another 90 days. And, and the union said, no, that's not going to happen. And they had to let me go. Well, again, for me, I didn't care. This was a job that uh, it was very, very temporary. I was already lining something else up and it didn't really matter to me, but it, it was just the scenario of it, of, of being basically fired because of the union that I was paying dues to. Uh, and, and this, this targeting of people is, is a common occurrence. I mean, my story is just one of millions. Here from the Daily Wire uh, is an article that is entitled Targeted Assassinations, Court Docs Uncover Shocking Details in Pro-Life Woman's $5 million Win Over Airline Union. It says union officials representing Southwest Airline employees and uh, activists ridiculed and even targeted for social media assassinations members who disagreed with the labor group's left-wing political activism, according to damning messages reviewed uh, in, in this story. The messages contained in court documents were exchanged between Southwest Airlines and Transportation Workers Union of America, the TWU, local 556 union officials and activists. They were revealed during a lawsuit brought by pro-life uh, flight attendant Charlene Carter, a, a 20-year-old veteran, or 20-year veteran, uh, fired by Southwest Airlines for her religious beliefs. A jury last month awarded Carter a whopping $5.1 million. Yes, a jury awarded her $5.1 million 
4.15 million of that uh, was to come from Southwest Airlines, of course, for obviously firing her for her religious beliefs. And nine, uh, 950,000, so almost a million from TWU Local 556 Union. When Carter complained in 2013 about uh, deductions from her paycheck going to union uh, leftist political action committees, uh, union treasurer John Parrott uh, forwarded Carter's email to other officials with a message making fun of her. It said this, quote, Ha! She has been supporting the things she despises this entire time, he wrote. Todd Gage, a union vice president, joined in the mockery, and he said, quote, I wish I could give her a list of all the campaigns she has donated to in the last 17 years. Her head would explode, he wrote. Local 556 second vice president, Brent Navarez, uh, chimed in, and he said, quote, So, so typical bat mm, poop crazy (laughs) dip anyway he's calling her names cannot read her own paycheck union officials including its president audrey stone attended the uh, woman's march in washington dc in 2011 i'm sorry 2017 The event received funding from Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider in the country, and Stone, who was included in the email chain, does not appear to have admonished anyone for the inappropriate remarks. It wasn't just Carter who came in for scorn when disagreeing with the nation's uh, uh, politics or the union's politics. The uh, messages show this. It says that union members who apparently did not keep in line with the union or social media were targeted for, quote, assassination, unquote. I am all about, and this is, this is in quotes, I am all about targeted assassinations, unquote. An email, this is from an email from the union activist Brian uh, Tal, uh, uh, Talbert, and he reads um, about and, and, and writes about his um, social media dissents um, that, that are coming to him. The message was sent to Southwest's then senior director of in-flight services, Sonia Lacour, um, and then forwarded to Stone by uh, the, the Talbert individual, Brian Talbert. Quote, it is maddening trying to reason with these sheeple. Talbert uh, actually wrote that uh, in, in a reply, comparing at least one other critic to cancer. Talbert also called uh, Corliss King, a black woman who later became a local 556 uh, executive board member, incredibly dangerous. Quote, I am sure with her dreadful work history, then there, there could be opportunity, he said, of King, she will play very well to the heavy inner city minority crowd coming on board soon. She will be their voice. She will be a huge threat in her upcoming election as well. Further union critic Mike Casper was, uh, was called a cancer that must be eradicated. Quote, I highly encourage targeting people, Talbert wrote. Since Carter's legal victory, both 
Southwest Airlines and uh, TWU union officials have vowed to appeal the ruling. National Right to Work Foundation President Mark Mix pledged to keep fighting for Carter and others who've experienced similar hostility. He said, quote, Miss Carter demonstrated that even in an overwhelmingly toxic environment, in independent-minded uh, workers can stand up, push back against union boss attacks on individual rights and free speech and win. Um, he said this in a statement. He said, the, the evidence presented at Carter's trial reviews an integrated union culture of intimidation and prejudice against, against dissent workers. While we will keep fighting to defend Ms. Carter's victory for her rights, flight attendants and other employees who have experienced similar hostility should not hesitate to contact the National Right to Work Foundation for help in defending their rights. Federal law governing labor relations in the air and rail industries allow union officials to demand worker workers fund their activities as a condition of employment, Mix added. TWU union officials' uh, at attacks on employees who disagree with the union's agenda are the unsurprising result of a system in which workers do not have the simple power to withhold dues when union officials violate their rights, an accountability mechanism that's the right to work uh, uh, protests. Now, this is just another example, in my opinion, of how liberal and, and hostile unions can, can be. And yes, I said liberal. They can be very, very liberal. In an uh, article from AmericanExperiment.org, uh, Katrin Wigfall says that despite representing hundreds of thousands of public employees who fall all along the political spectrum, government unions are notorious for almost exclusively financially supporting one political party and its affiliates. A harmful analysis by Center for Union Facts determines that union officials sent more than, get this, 1.6 billion, yes, with a B, 1.6 billion dollars in union member dues over a eight-year period to hundreds of liberal advocacy groups aligned with the Democratic Party. In fact, 99% of political contributions from labor unions since 2010 have gone to Democratic causes, even though almost half of union households voted Republican in 2016. The top two major recipients of union money were American Votes and the Democratic Governors Association receiving $16.7 million and $16 million respectively. So let's look at these two. American Votes is the coordination hub of progressive community. Uh, working to advance progressive policies and win elections. That, those are their words. That comes directly from their website. The organization is registered as a 501c4, uh, which is social welfare nonprofit organization. So it's not, not even registered as a political one. Uh, and, and its political involvement is limited by the IRS to include only some political activities, so long as that is not its primary activity. Because of this threshold, America Votes cannot donate directly to candidates or candidate committees. But 
it can pass through the money it receives from the organization's PAC, that's the America Votes Action Fund, and or individual members. So in other words, they can take from their left hand and they can give it to their right hand, which can then, of course, support liberal Democrats. America Votes has used funds from individual contributions to support only Democratic candidates, according to available data released by the Federal Election Commission and reported uh, by Center for Responsive Politics. Uh, Besides labor unions, other partners of America Votes include Planned Parenthood, NARAL, uh, Pro-Choice America, the, the, the House Majority PAC, which helps Democrats win seats in the House, and the Senate Majority PAC, which, of course, does the same thing for the Senate. That's just one, though. How about Democracy Alliance? Democracy Alliance is the largest network of donors dedicated to building the progressive movement in the United States and the advancing of progressive agenda, according, again, to them. Founded in 2005 by Rob Stein, he's a Democratic operative and and former uh, Clinton administration official, uh, Democracy Alliance has been uh, financially supported most notably by, yes, you guessed it, George Soros and Peter Lewis, and quickly became a hub of the biggest names in liberal politics. It's kind of a weird organization. Membership into the DA is by invite only, and donors pay annual dues and agree on a set amount of money to give to, quote, recommended, unquote, liberal organizations each year. Not surprisingly, many of these organizations, DA supports, are listed in the data uh, from Center uh, for Union Facts, as receivers of big money from union political contributions. Imagine that. Essentially, uh, Democracy Alliance is a political network of liberal donors who who plot how to use their money to advance the left's agenda in, in, in American politics. More than $458 million. Yes, $458 million went to groups aligned with the Democratic Party, including the Clinton Foundation, which, of course, was found out to be very corrupt, and Planned Parenthood. And I don't need to enlighten you on that. Another $385 million supported organizations focused on progressive economic causes, and $252 million went to left special interest groups. Quote, but I... I am forced to to pay my dues to the union, unquote. That's what that that's from you, right? <laughs> I mean, you may be saying that to me. I, I'm forced to pay my union dues. I hear that all the time. That just is not true anymore. And, and well, at least if you work for the government. Uh, from shrm.org, um, the Supreme Court banned mandatory union fees. For public sector workers, in a 5-4 to four vote on June 27th of 2018, uh, so that was basically about four years ago, the Supreme Court justices held that state and public sector unions may no longer require workers to pay agency fees. Neither an agency fee nor any other payment to the union may be deducted from a non-member's wages, nor may any other attempt be made to collect such a payment unless the employee affirmatively consents to the pay. That actually are the, uh, is, is the words from Justice Samuel Alito Jr. 
who actually wrote the, the majority opinion in this case. Now, in Janus v. AFSCME Council 31, um, it's basically just known as the Janus decision is, is what this is called. The Supreme Court was asked to decide if public sector employees can be required to pay union fees as a condition of employment. <clears throat> well, Mark Janus, which, by the way, is an Illinois state employee and somebody who is actually he's kind of liberal in his politics, claimed that such fees are unconstitutional under the First Amendment's rights to free speech and association. Um, and, and in the Janus decision, the Supreme Court agreed. I mean, you may have to go to your, your public sector union and fill out some paperwork to get out of the union, but, but you have the right to do so now. And, and I would suggest that you actually then follow up and make sure that it's done because there are many stories that I've heard of where unions fail to comply with that request and they continue to take those funds out of the paychecks. Now that brings us to another issue, the, 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 the issue of unions and, and their part in, in the public sector realm. Um, in other words, the unions that represent government workers. My dad used to tell me that I should be a government worker. And he was, and, and he, he thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because basically you could do just about anything you wanted and you couldn't get fired. Uh, it was the, 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 um, the wages were, were stable, the, um, you know, all, all of the incentives and things were, were great. And, and he thought that was the way to go. Now I, I, what that I had no interest in that. <laughs> and, and so I didn't go that direction, but, uh, but the, the, the whole idea of, of unions representing government workers is kind of not a, not it's not very good. I mean, when you boil it right down to it, there is a conflict of interest there. Since the uh, in, in an article from nationalaffairs.com, it says, since the middle of the 20th century, organized labor in America has undergone two transformations with major implications for the nation's politics. The first is the dramatic decline in overall union membership. In, in 1955, organized labor represented one-third of the non-agricultural workforce. Today, it represents just 12%. The second transformation, however, is even more significant. The change in the composition of the unionized workforce. As private sector unions have, have withered, public sector unions or government unions have grown dramatically. The, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that in 2009, for the first time ever, more public sector employees then private sector employees belong to unions. The rise of government worker unions, uh, unionism has also combined with the broader transformation of American economic uh, economy to produce a sharp diver uh, divergence between public and private sector employment. So in other words, the, the, the question here is, as we have seen, these unions transform from uh, representing people in in the private sector and private business to basically representing government workers now. Um, are government worker unions a good thing? I mean, you know, many do not think so. Even even President Franklin Ro uh, Roosevelt, a friend of the private sector unionism, drew a line when it came to government workers. Uh, he said that uh, meticulous attention 
uh, he said this in, in, in 1937 in a speech there. He said that meticulous attention should be paid to the special relations and obligations of public servants to the public itself and to the government. The process of collective bargaining, as usual, usually understood, cannot be translated into public service. The reason? FDR believed that a strike of public employees manifests nothing less than an than an intent on the the part of the um, of these workers to obstruct the operations of the government. So, in other words, what he's saying here is that because government basically has a monopoly on things, there's there's no there's no competition. I mean, that's why you know you get terrible customer service when it comes to the DMV or or any other government uh, entity. The customer service is almost always terrible. Why? Because there's no they, they have a monopoly. They don't have to be good. They don't have to to treat you well. They you have to go to them, and they have the power. Uh, courts across the nation uh, also generally held that collective bargaining by government workers should be forbidden uh, on the legal grounds of sovereign uh, immunity and unconstitutional delegation of government powers. And in 1943, a New York uh, court actually uh, upheld that. Um, and and it's it's. It's one of those things we could I could go on and on today about giving you uh, story after story of how, um, you know, this is a bad idea because it, it represents a conflict of interest. Um, I, another common objective to collective bargaining with the public uh, employee unions was that it would mean taking some of the decision making authority over uh, from from government functions. Uh, of, of elected representatives and then transfer it to union officials. In other words, we elect in our government, our former government, we elect representatives to represent us and our interests in the government. So uh, when, when I elect a mayor or whatever, let's say I, I cast a vote for a mayor, I am casting a vote for somebody who I think represents uh, how I think or whatever, for, uh, who I think would be best for that job. And they were the, they're the ones that I can hold accountable because if they don't do what they do, uh, what what they should do, then I can vote them out. I can cast a vote to get rid of them, and so I can hold them accountable. What that isn't the case when you have a union that bargains certain things, and then when those things uh, you know go awry, I, I can't vote out a, a union official, and so it transfers power from elected officials to union officials and gives them power. Uh, when I was on a school board and I was in the middle of labor negotiations uh, with the teachers union there, and, and uh, there's actually about three different unions I had to deal with. But anyway, uh, in, in, in uh, particular, the teachers union, we could see that, that the union wa- wasn't there to help kids. The union wasn't there to say, oh, hey, we, we want this particular policy or we want this written into the contract because this is going to be good for kids. Had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with getting more money for their their older teachers. Um, in fact, in many of the negotiations, they literally said to us that they wanted teachers, uh, the younger teachers fired or not fired, but laid off in order for the, the older teachers to get more money. And that's exactly what they were pushing for. Um, and and I submit that, be, that that because of this conflict of interest, where you have you have government employees who are unionizing, and they are um, they, they have this conflict of interest because because the the people that are making the decisions aren't the voters, 
the people that are making this that the, that the unions are are negotiating with are other government officials, and those and and so it's in both of their interests for the pe- people to get more and more and more when it comes to wages and when it comes to pensions and when it comes to all of those type of things, and so. And, and so you basically have have the interest of the taxpayer not being represented whatsoever. So I submit that the time of the union is over. I mean, what was the purpose of the union in the first place? For workers to band together and to get more of what they wanted. Yes, there was a time when monopolies were more of a thing, right? Now, governmental regulation of monopolies has helped with that. And we, we don't allow monopolies in in any instance and if you don't like your wage or your working conditions well quit and go work for someone else that you like better and 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 especially when it comes to to governmental unions there is a huge conflict of interest and they should not be allowed to exist the time of the union has come and gone and it's time to just let them die their slow death unions are outdated and and they are now just simply causing so many problems um that there that that we need to to as we see they their rates of of people that are in unions is diminishing and diminishing and diminishing because because i mean if you want to give your part of your pay over to them so they can you know give it to political parties that that don't represent you feel free and go ahead and do that but uh, that's that seems foolish in in my estimation, and you may agree with that. You may disagree with that. I would definitely love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.